Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. We have a national and New Zealand audience today tuning in, so welcome everyone. Today's live stream is being recorded and will be made available as a podcast on the Equity Foundation website. Before I introduce Miranda, I want to thank Media Super, who is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry superannuation fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice, which is very timely at the moment. Contact me for further information if if you don't have uh, the correct contact details. I'd like to introduce Miranda Harcourt. So over to you, Miranda, and thank you very much. Very much, uh, Alex. Thank you very much, Helen. Kia ora tato de whanau. It's a great pleasure to be here today. I've really been looking forward to this and um, connecting with uh, you actors and creative people because I know there are writers, directors and coaches there as well uh, from across New Zealand and Australia. So um, as Alex said, I want to start off with just a little introduction, uh, a little um, a bit of classwork. And, um, and then I'm going to open the floor to Q&A, which will um, inevitably kind of um, have more classwork in it as well, I think. So um, I'm a huge fan of kids clapping games, as you probably know. And if you've seen my YouTube videos, um, you will certainly know that. Uh, and the, let me just outline for you before I uh, go into this introduction why I'm such a fan of clapping games. They take your mind off your acting. So you can't possibly do a clapping game either by yourself or with somebody else. And the benefit to this one is that you can actually do it by yourself. You can't do that and also think about acting. So it is an absolute quick path to achieving unselfconsciousness because you are concentrating on solving a little problem. It's just a little problem in the space between you and your partner or it's a little problem that you're solving yourself. And if you put, set up your phone and shoot yourself trying to learn boom, slap, clap, boom, snap, clap, so it really just goes in a circle like this, then you will see yourself achieving the great quality of, um, of unselfconsciousness. Okay, that's the one that I wanted to show you guys today. It's kind of weird because I know there are many people out there. We've got nearly 200 people and it's going up by the second. So uh, I'm talking to a lot of you, but I know we're all alone in our rooms. So that's weird. Um, so we're trying to achieve a sense of connectivity despite the fact that we are alone in our rooms. And that's what it is to be an actor is that um, we're all alone in our rooms and we're all trying to achieve a sense of uh, con connectivity in this space between. So um, uh, uh, I want to welcome some people to uh, the seminar today. Um, I was wondering how I should do this. I just wanted to, to reach out to a couple of people and I thought, which couple of people should I reach out to? So I'm, I'm reaching out to three. One is the youngest participant I think we've got today and that will probably be Ava Cariophilus, who's there with her dad, Andy. Ava is five, you might be six by now, Ava. And, and she is somebody that I worked with in the, the Greg Jordan film, Dirt Music, last year. Hi, Ava, and welcome. It's fantastic that somebody as young as you is interested and committed to advancing your craft as an actor, guided by your wonderful dad, 
uh, Andy. Now, I'm not going to um, say hello to the oldest person who's joining us today because I don't think that'd be appropriate. So I'm going to, um, to reach out and welcome a couple of the people that I've known the longest. And one of them, I don't know whether she's there yet, Danielle Cormack, uh, Kira Danny. Uh, she's a fantastic uh, actress, Australian actress, used to be a New Zealand actress, now she's an Australian actress and someone whose work I really admire in that she's wild, she's free, she's courageous, she's just out there, she doesn't give a fuck what she looks like, excuse my language, Ava. And, um, uh, and I really appreciate that quality in her performance. And I'm also gonna reach out and, uh, and say kia ora to somebody that, um, that I've been working with recently, and that is Akushla Tata Kupe, who's uh, an actress who's also mixing it up between being a, a busy actress and also a busy coach who, like me, spends her time, some of her time, with actors uh, leading and guiding them, sometimes young actors. And we work uh, in concert between, for example, on a film that we worked on last year between New Zealand and England, and sometimes we work in the same country. So um, kia ora to you, Akushla Tata Kupe. So that's, um, they're my hellos, but, um, but in those hellos, I want to, um, to extend that breath to all of my friends, um, and people who I haven't met before, because I know there are a lot of people out there who've done classes with me in the past. Um, okay, uh, here, uh, the, the space between us that we're working in now is what the Samoan community call le va. It's the space between. And it doesn't matter, the wonderful thing about le va is that it doesn't matter, um, and if you are Samoan, welcome, and I would love to hear from you if you've got more to say than I do about the, the cultural quality of, um, of, of le va. Uh, but something I love about le va Kiura Ehoa, Akusha Tara, she's just um, sent me a message, um, uh, is that it's not predicated just on physical space, which is really important at the moment when we're all practicing social distancing. It's not just predicated on you and I being in the same room or you and your acting partner being in the same room. Levar can be the space between me and my father who died 25 years ago. Levar can be the space between the moon and Pluto. Levar can be the space, the digital space that we have between us now, or Levar can be the space between you and the nearest person to you in your house at the moment. So I think it's a really valuable quality for us um, to, to talk about and to think about in these times where we're not able to reach out and touch our acting partners in the way that we're used to doing. Um, what I'm gonna do now is press share screen. If you look at my list of things that I'm supposed to have done by now. Oh yeah. Here's a, there's just one more thing I want to, um, to give you to do. And this is something that's really easy for you to try and do all by yourself uh, in your room with your screen. Uh, and this is another little um, kids game, playground game that I learned recently. I want you to use your big toe, it doesn't matter whether it's in your shoe or not. Use your big toe and draw a clockwise circle in the, in the space in front of you. So, um, so you're drawing a clockwise circle led by your big toe and that's taking your foot with it so you're you're going like this but you're doing it with your foot okay and now that you're doing that clockwise circle with your foot led by your big toe take your forefinger and try to draw a six in the air and just consistently try and do that and um and uh see how you feel i'm going to give you a moment to do that Great. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I'm seeing some people nodding. It's really hard. And what you're finding here is because you're, when your finger draws six, you're going in an anti-clockwise direction. When your toe is drawing a circle, you're going in a clockwise direction. You've discovered that little point in your brain where your brain goes, 
and your brain can't handle the physical challenge of doing both of those instructions at the same time. So when you find that little kind of um, road bump, a little speed bump in your mind, you're like, oh my God, um, you know, with practice, you can do it. But when you find that little speed bump in your mind where you realize you can't do those things um, straight off the bat simultaneously, you're finding the place where you need to learn your lines. That's the place in your brain where your lines need to, um, to be. They need to be so deeply implanted. Your text needs to be so deeply implanted in your, your physicality and your mental state that when you speak them out, you can speak them out and do something else at the same time. So that's a little, um, a little thing for you to practice and maybe show the other members of your family, the other members of your household. It's a little trick through which you can achieve the great quality of unselfconsciousness, but you're also exploring what it is to be inside your own mind. You're exploring the limits of, um, of your own consciousness. Okay, uh, I wanna read this out to you. The truth about our intimate relation, relationships is that they can never be any better than our relationship with ourselves. Um, and that's a guy called James Hollis who's talking about the wonderful Carl Yusuf Jung, the, um, in the psychologist whose work that I follow most closely. Uh, the truth about our intimate relationships is that they can never be any better than our relationship with ourselves. That is very resonant for me in terms of your personal relationships, your family relationships, your relationships with your kids or your parents. Um, but also that is very resonant in terms of your relationship with your director, working with your actors, or whether you are an actor working with each other. You've got to sort out your own shit. So I think a great choice for any actor is to have some form of personal therapy so that you've got a bouncing board, you've got a conversational and skilled uh, partner who can help you uh, achieve a clear passage through the VAR so that you can truly reach out to the person opposite you. Here's an image by uh, the British collage artist, John Stezica. And I love this because in this image, we see two people who appear to be close to each other, but actually they're separated by a chasm. And in, in my work as a coach, that has become my area of expertise, is to watch people's performances and be able to identify whether they are truly connecting with each other or whether they are faking a connection. They may be physically close, but is that connection um, a united connection? Or, um, or is it something that, um, that is... Yeah, the, where the, the two people involved are, are, are faking the connection. Miranda, while you are, while the questions are being, to Alex here, while the questions are being written, maybe you can um, sort of chat about something else for a, for a, for a minute while we're getting some, we're getting them going. Sure, absolutely. So um, maybe you know, maybe your last project you worked on or something. Yes, what was the last? Oh, the last project I worked on was another um, amazing project by an Australian, a really wonderful Australian director that some people here may have worked with, Mark Malloy. Uh, he's uh, an extremely successful Australian maker of advertisements, and um, he works with Exit Films uh, alongside Garth Davis. His most recent ad, which is an Apple ad in the States, got 23 million hits on um, whatever platform it was on, you know, across the YouTube, everything kind of um, collection of platforms. Um, and he's making a TV series called Clickbait, which is about Macedonian teenagers who essentially allowed Donald Trump to uh, become elected in the 2016 election because they invented fake news. Um, so that was an amazing uh, product or um, a TV product for me to have the opportunity to, to work on. I went for a week long um, 
rehearsal workshop with the, the actors who came from various places. And my job was to find a way to connect them to each other, but also to find a way to connect them to the socioeconomic uh, environment that the characters came from and to connect them with the characters because the actors themselves were so different than the Macedonian teens, poverty-stricken teens that they were playing. And the way that we chose to do that, luckily, because the whole project was truncated by um, the COVID-19 lockdown and everyone had to be flown back home, we only had one day to make a short film, a proof of concept, that um, Mark was able to show to Universal and go, don't forget our project, it's so amazing. Um, the, the primary tool that we used to connect the actors, number one, as I say, with each other, but number two, with the socioeconomic and um, cultural state of our characters was location, was using location. So we were living in a, um, a little place called Petrosani and the village that we were working in, which is a, a tiny um, village full of unemployed people who'd be made unemployed by the closure of the local nuclear power plant was where we were shooting. And those actors, the five actors playing the, the lead, um, the five leads in the series, were able to go by themselves, kind of supervised, but, um, but essentially by the, the point was that they should go by themselves to that village and achieve a number of challenges that we set them during the day that they spent it. They had to go and find the front door of the apartment of one of the characters. They had to uh, go and find, go to the local, the little church, go and explore the churchyard and using their phones to record what they found, find the uh, a gravestone that had the name of their character on the gravestone and photograph that gravestone. Uh, they had to go um, to the supermarket and buy their lunch. We gave them some petty cash. And they had to take selfies all the way along this adventure. And, when the, and also collect pebbles from each of the locations. And when they came back at the end of the day, of course, bam, they were uh, fantastically connected as people, but they were much more connected with their characters than they had been when they were just confronted with their characters on the page because they had spent a whole day in the location that, um, where the characters actually live. And thank goodness we got to do that because um, the next day we basically had to shoot the whole, um, the whole TV series in one day. So they, um, they had a, a deep dive early in the process and that, was a, um, that really paid off for them. So that's, um, that is a little example of uh, running a, a rehearsal process that we call active rehearsal, where uh, actors uh, are introduced to their location before they shoot in it. Because every single person on this live stream will have been on set where you arrive on the set, but you were not the first person to get there. You don't, ex you don't get to experience the set, the location, the house, the, um, the field, the paddock, the farm, uh, the garage as a, um, a virgin location. You get there, the portaloos are already there, the crew's already kind of owned it. So you're the, the, the actor's often almost the last person to arrive. You come on to block, but everything has already been arranged for you. I'm a big fan of allowing you, the actor, to meet that location before anybody else gets there so that you can have um, a, a strong imprint of that location, hopefully the day or the week before you go and shoot there. Uh, and you can understand it and the, um, the image of that location can mix with the text of the character in your mind uh, to help you to, to, um, to deeply develop your sense of the characterization. Okay, so there's a little, um, uh, a little snapshot of the last project that I did and the, the work that we brought to bear on that. Over to you, Alex. Are there any questions that you've received? They're coming up, Miranda, and we'll be there in a minute. Awesome. Cool. I'm just going to flow through some of these um, Q 
people that I can see and see if I can find anybody that I recognize. Hi, Tandy Wright. Hi, Marzel White. Everyone's um, rhyming. Awesome. And I'm just going to call out and see if, um, um, if Ava is there. Maybe not. Here we go. You ready to go? Yep, for sure. You there? Could you unmute yourself, please? Cool. Just while I'm, I'm waiting for um, Alex and Helen to bring up these questions, I'm going to share the screen again and I'm going to ask, um, ask, you, ask somebody to let me know if they can see. Helen, can you see the screen? Yes. Great. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm going to go to um, some, some images that I think are resonant and interesting around this idea of connection. You just interrupt me, Alex and Helen, when you're ready and you've got um, some questions. To, um, to go. Uh, but here's uh, Adam Scott and Reese Witherspoon in Big Little Lies. I think there's a really big difference between the relationship that we saw in Big Little Lies between Reese and Adam, uh, also um, called um, Madeline and Ed, the names of their characters, and between and this relationship between Alexander Skarsgård and, uh, and Nicole Kidman. Nicole and Alexander put a lot of work into developing their personal relationship across the VAR. So that when we're watching it, we really feel that we're watching a, almost a third entity. We're watching Alexander, we're also watching Nicole, but we are watching a third entity, which is the relationship between them. And, um, and I think that's something very strong about Nicole's performance here in, um, in this, this TV show, series one and two, Big Little Lies. Nicole also put the same amount of work into the relationship that she formed with the little boys playing her, her kids the Cravetti twins, Nicholas and Cameron, Cameron Cravetti. And here's another beautiful image of Nicole. Um, and you can see by the way she's able to reach out and touch those boys and how these boys are able to reach out and cuddle into Nicole. That um, there's a lot of personal homework that has gone into creating this relationship, the top line between the actors in order that the bottom line between the characters um, really translates to us as we're watching the, the TV series. And I believe that that is a strong reason why Nicole's uh, creation of Celeste, the character that she created in, um, in Bigger Little Lies, had such a powerful impact across the world. Uh, it wasn't just because of Nicole's solo performance as that character, it was because of the way she was able to reach out and create incredible relationships with the people around her. And I go back to that um, Samoan idea of Levar. Helen and um, Alex. We've got lots of questions. We've got lots of questions, Miranda. I'm going to stop sharing then. Off there we are. Hello, am I up? Yep, you sure are. Hi there. Hi there. I'm Karina. Thanks for doing this, Miranda. Um, so my question is, uh, I just wanted to know when you're brought on as a coach, do you work with the actors in rehearsals to prepare and then kind of take a step away? Are you there coaching on set every scene every day? Also, are you brought on independently by actors like to work with that relationship or does the production engage you as a whole? It kind of, um, it kind of changes um, uh, depending on, on, the, uh, on the need, actually. I'm going to take these headphones off. Um, it kind of changes. Uh, could you just say um, a word uh, so that I can just make sure that I can hear you still? Me? Yes. 
Awesome. Um, thank you. Um, yes, it changes. Sometimes I work because the actor hires me. And in that case, I would work individually with the actor, probably over the telephone, um, Skype, FaceTime, etc. Um, in preparation for the role for a month, two weeks, two days um, before the actor goes on set. And the director will may never even know that the, um, the actor has been working with someone to just kind of like um, get them up to speed. So sometimes it's the actor. Sometimes, um, as this morning, a producer will contact me and say, hey, could you please work with, in this case, three actors um, who are used to working in one genre and need to cross over and work in another genre. They're used to working in comedy. They need to work over and um, cross over and work in naturalistic drama. Could you, um, Miranda, as a coach, work with them as a group um, and even work with the director as well to, um, to get that group of people up to speed? So that would be, um, that's, yeah, maybe more unusual for me to be contacted by the producer in order to work with the entire cast on um, um, on Zoom and also the director. Actually, that's not true. When I say that's unusual, that's actually not true. That happens all the time. So often a producer of a TV show or a film will ring me up and say, can you work with either the director um, in the run-up to the shoot or um, one or more of the actors or sometimes the um, the, the whole group? Um, and, and so that's if I'm working... Um, in pre-production to prepare um, the uh, the director and all the actors to meet each other on set and then they go ahead and they, they make their beautiful piece of work. Sometimes um, I, I come on set, I'm there for the, the week before, um, before the first day of the shoot and I'll work through the whole that week-long rehearsal process running workshops and then I continue um, on set every day with the actor and, and that's more likely if I'm with her in uh, Garth Davis's film Lion, where I was there through the second part of the casting process with the wonderful casting director, Kirsty McGregor. Um, no, th through the, the whole casting process, actually. And then, um, then I was there to run actors' workshops, and then I was there through the whole of the Indian shoot. So that's a, um, that's a much bigger uh, time commitment, obviously, and, um, and probably something that I do less now. Le now, I would be more likely to work in partnership with someone like a Kushlakara Akusha Tarakupe, who's here um, somewhere today, um, and I would do some preparation, and then Kush might go and be on set with the actors in whatever country uh, that happens to be going on. And does that does that make sense? So sometimes I'm I'm working with actors in a way that the um, I'm hired by the actor, so the producer, the the director may not even know that that's going on, uh, and then and sometimes there's a it's a much more community um, uh, sort of element. I hope that answers your question. Hi, Tandy. Hi, Ma. How are you? <laughs> thank you for this. I was wondering, um, can, you, can you hear me okay? Great. I was wondering, it's a bit related to the last question. Um, when you are working alongside a director, how, how does that relationship work? And, and do directors ever get a little self-conscious or feel like you might be treading on their toes? Well, that's, that's my job to make sure that that doesn't happen. And, um, and very similar to you, because Tandy um, people, Tandy works as an intimacy coordinator um, under the auspices of the wonderful Ethan O'Brien, who's our um, buddy that we have in common in the UK. So really, Tandy, I would say it's a very similar situation, is that um, your job as an intimacy coordinator is to stick to your knitting and, um, and do what you've been brought in to do, but just know yourself. And I go back to that um, quote from Jung, know yourself sufficiently, know your tendencies and know your limitations and know how to have a conversation with yourself to make sure that, um, that everyone can 
absolutely um, stay within their own particular guardrails of their job. Because sometimes you might say you're an intimacy coordinator, I'm a coach, um, you're very experienced as an actress as well, um, so am I. You, you might be working with a brand new director, so despite the fact that you are very experienced, you've really got to be able to back off and go, hey, whose vision is this? Who owns the project? It's not mine. So um, I might think that, um, that things are going slightly in a direction that, um, that they wouldn't go in in my world, but it's not my world. It's not my vision. I'm here to support the director's vision. So my primary uh, task is to find out what that vision is. Does that make sense? Yeah, thanks. Hi there. Hello. Um, my name's Laura Jane Turner. Thank you for doing this. Um, my question was any tips on developing those authentic on-screen rela uh, relationships between characters when you don't necessarily gel with the other actor? Or yeah, well, that's interesting. And sometimes um, you've got to say to the, uh, you, you've got to acknowledge between you that you don't necessarily gel with each other and you, um, you might be um, different, you might be coming at things from a different angle and often actors um, uh, come at, uh, towards each other from a different angle, in which case it's very difficult for one or other actor to make um, structural suggestions in the way in which you might create that relationship because the other actor may well be like, mm, you know, that, um, that doesn't suit my style of working. And that's where you've got to rely on the director or you've got to rely on the third party and that's often the coach to um, the rehearsal coach uh, to come in and say, well, here are some, here are some, um, some relationship building, some character building structures that I want to invite you actors to enter into. That's what I would say is, is it's actually the director's job. And um, I mean, the director is a role that has not really even been around for that long. It's really um, uh, not even that many dozens of years that we've had the function of the director, the creative owner and driver of the piece. Uh, back in the day, it was all the producer and, um, and the producer's job was um, to uh, shift the furniture around and make sure that the actors said the lines and didn't, didn't bang into the furniture. Really only recently the emotional and psychological um, responsibility of the, the director has come to, has been to, to come to be, to support the actors and find a way for the actors to find a pathway together to, um, to create the, um, the illusion or the reality of intimacy on screen. So um, I would say that it is the director's job to find a way for two actors that are not gelling to gel or be at one in their conflict and to be able to serve the vision together. And that is a really hard job. And sometimes, often I would say, you'll work with a director who's very strong in terms of cinematography, very strong in terms of genre, very strong in terms of editing, very strong in terms of the match between the drama and the music, not necessarily so strong or experienced in the, um, the psychology uh, and the emotion of building relationships between actors. And that's where my job comes in. Um, that's where I'm useful to come in and help to achieve that and then like, you know, exit again, hopefully leaving um, a good shadow behind me so that um, I can bring people into alignment. So um, having said that, though, I, I just want to mention two sets of questions, um, structural questions that I find very useful. 
Uh, and number one are the questions of Arthur Aron. And if you look at my YouTube, blah, 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 yada, yada, you know what I'm going to say. Um, I talk about those questions um, in those uh, YouTube um, links, which is handy for me because it means that I don't have to um, outline it all now. Uh, but Arthur Aron, Dr. Arthur Aron is a New York-based relationship psychologist, and he has spent the last 30 years uh, developing a series of 36 questions that will that just slowly bring people together. Now, if you're an actor and you say to the other actor, hey, do you want to do Arthur Aron's questions? The other actor might go, yeah, that's a great idea. Or the other actor might go, hmm, no, that's weird. That's where you need the director or the coach to uh, introduce the forms um, and structures that might allow those two actors to find a pathway towards each other. But however you do it, if you can find a way to asking those questions or asking the, the, the four beautiful questions that Anna Devere Smith, the great practitioner of verbatim theatre, asks at the beginning of every single one of her um, interviews. One of them is, um, when was the time you came closest to death? Another is, uh, when was the first time you were betrayed? Another is when, the, when it was the first time you fell in love. And then there's another one, there are four of them all together. They're beautiful questions and they're very um, thematically open to any, any form of content. But there are lots of question structures that you can ask. Um, you, can, you can tell each other and the director um, stories about your own personal experience of whatever the, um, the, the deep thematics of the film or the story that you're telling are about. It might be um, loss or betrayal. Um, and the director's job, the coach's job, is to find a way for the cast, the actors, to feel comfortable occupying the, the deep thematics in order that um, the, that sense of personal generosity can flow to support the, um, the river of the story um, as it's told. So you can see in what I'm saying, this is in part an answer to Tandy and the other question, Tandy's question, and the other question about what is the role of a coach you can see that the role of a coach sometimes is to bring the emotional courage and the, um, the structural emotional skill of creating uh, pathways for actors to achieve connectivity with their character and also with each other that sometimes directors don't have. Sometimes they do. Garth Davis, oh my God, you know, what an incredible human. Garth is such an amazing creator of pathways between people. It's no surprise that um, he makes such incredibly successful number one film and number two um, ads because he's had to learn to work fast and deep. And here's an amazing example of Garth's work that you, um, if you're in Australia, you may well have seen. It's the, um, the Westpac divorce ad um, starring a little guy called Caden. It's just such a beautiful ad. And when, this, um, when we're done here, um, I really encourage you to Google that ad and watch it. It's just the, it's the Westpac divorce ad and um, Garth's work in connecting the little boy and his parents in that ad. I was lucky enough to work on that ad with Garth and to feed into the process, um, the process of connection that he established. But taking three strangers, a nine-year-old boy and, um, and two grown-ups and creating a really believable family is, um, is really hard to do, especially to tell that story in 60 to 90 seconds and, um, and he really succeeds. So that is a perfect example of, um, of what I'm talking about here. Thank you. Got another question going there. Hmm, I don't know what's happened to the um 
to um, Helen and Alex asking the questions, but I'm going to keep on showing you some. I'll share. Well, Are you there, Alex? Yeah. Um... Losing you on the audio there. Hi, Emma. You're live. Yep. Hi there. Sorry. Sorry. My screen is not working. There we go. Sorry. No worries. Hi. Um, I have a question about using um, substitutions for connections. So, like, with using, like, a substitution for your scene partner or a location in terms of creating connection and, like, what your thoughts are about that. Hmm, yes, that's very interesting. Substitution, I feel like um, sometimes, you know, in the perfect universe, um, to me, substitution means that you're doubling up your process, that you're having to um, kind of get your emotional intellectual eraser and like <laughs> and scrub out the person you're really connecting with and then you're having to kind of insert another person and sometimes what can happen is that um, as a viewer, I'm, I'm seeing two individually spinning universes. I'm seeing you, one universal by yourself, and then I'm seeing another universe over here, which is the, um, the person who, with whom you're acting, and, and never the twain will meet. I'm not seeing that, that connection across the VAR. So um, a lot of my work as a coach is predicated on seeing if you can find a connection with the actual person as opposed to trying to erase that person and substitute someone else that notwithstanding you know we don't always live in a perfect universe and so um sometimes it's really valuable i've worked with the wonderful uh teacher who now lives in adelaide adrian barnes and um, I've seen him do wonderful things with substitution. But I feel like even with Adrian's work, he has used um, the Uta Hagen, the standard substitution approaches, substitution um, as a step ladder into a true connection with the other actor. So if it's Miranda and um, Naomi, the lady who lives next door, um, I, I might use substitution to find my way to allow Naomi to be the person that I hate and want to kill. Uh, but then once I've used it as a step ladder, I, I would prefer to find a way to work with the real Naomi as opposed to um, keeping to ha having to keep on erasing her and replace her with somebody else. Does that make sense, Emma? So my, I guess I'm saying that my taste as a coach and also as an actor is to try and find a way to truly work with the other person, which means you both have to find um, a pathway towards transformation. Hi, Miranda. Hi. Um, I have a question in regards to developing relationships between uh, characters that have to be in love or lusting after each other. Uh, do you start with the clapping game or do you layer something else on top? Uh, well, I, uh, with all relationships, with their relationships of anger, hatred, resentful, resentment, um, betrayal, um, deep hurt, uh, lust, um, um, love, parental love. I, I always start with um, one or other of the clapping games that um, a couple of which I've shown you because they're, they're a safe container to reach across the space and achieve physical connection. So, um, so that's really important. Um, uh, so yes, I guess the answer to your question is yes, I would always start with the clapping game, but I would always start with distance and then incrementally try and move the people closer to each other. Here's an example. I worked with um, two young women 
who really were young women. They were like um, probably 17 or 19, and they had to, um, to create a sexual charge between the two of them, and they both felt very nervous about it. And um, so, uh, so that what we did over the period of an hour, so we're going to work for one hour. Here's the beginning. Bam. We're going to finish exactly on the on like at three o'clock. You know, we're going to finish as soon as that hour is up, so that the the struct the time structure was absolutely solid, and they could completely solidly rely on the fact that at three o'clock, bam, we were going to finish. I wasn't going to say let's just work for ten more minutes. We we're absolutely going to finish at that time, and within that time structure, we were going to use space so that we would play a game here, and then we would slowly find ways and games to move closer and closer towards each other until they were about here. And then we use tools like Hongi, the Great New Zealand um, Indigenous Māori greeting Hongi, where they were able to touch noses and foreheads to each other and breathe each other in. We, um, we used um, a sort of meditation technique where we used the palms of each other's hands and reached up. She, what, they, the, these two girls each put their, had the palms of their hand on the other person's heart. And using my watch, I timed them for exactly a minute. So they could absolutely rely that, that they would be in that position for absolutely a minute. And during that minute, they had to have their eyes closed and see if they could feel the beat of the other person's heart. Then similarly, um, we would use our, the palms of our hands and see with our eyes closed if we could feel the, um, the pulse on either side of each other's necks. And so you can see that slowly, they're just kind of moving closer and closer towards each other. And we ended by them putting their lips against each other. So they had to work out, oh, who's gonna to have to take the glasses off? Oh, it's me. Whose head's gonna go which way? All the kind of mechanics. And then they ended up with just their lips very lightly touching for exactly a minute and bam, that's it. And then from here, we backed away across the space again. So I think that um, I'm looking forward to talking more with Tandy Wright about it actually, because Tandy is an intimacy coordinator. And, um, and um, it may well be that she has something to say about this as well. But, um, but for me, you want to very tightly structure the genuine charge that you're creating with the other person across the van. You don't want yeah. that, um, that feeling to, um, uh, to leach outside the structure that you're making inside the drama. And that's why I think that time is a really important structure here because it's not healthy for you and your, your relationship with your wife, kids, girlfriend, boyfriend, um, dog, family, whatever. It's not, necessarily healthy for your actual life for what you're igniting inside the story to leach outside the structure of the story that you're working on does that make sense so i think it's important to create very firm structures that you can within which you can um ignite something and then um and then find a way to um extinguish it and that's that's an answer to another question i think hi maza how's it going good Thank you so much for doing this. You're amazing, as always. Um, so uh, my question for you, Miranda, you know, I'm working on a short film and it's, it's, you've read it, you know how intimate it is and it is between two young women. And so um, what happens when you are, as I'm a director and I'm working on this and I've got very little budget, but the intimacy between, and some of the people are street cast, so I need my actual actors to carry the weight of the street cast. Um, and what happens when I see that that commitment is not there because the money's not there and the commitment's not there. And so, um, have you ever come across something like that? And do you have any suggestions on how I can get around it? Mm, you mean the commitment from the, um, the actual actress? 
resistance. Yeah, resistance to the point yeah. where, um, you know, other than recasting or maybe even recasting, like what, what would be, um, do you have any advice for me? I know it's different to the other questions everybody else is asking, so I hope that's no, okay. That's a really fair enough question, and that's a director's question. It's interesting for actors to listen to that director's question as well. I mean, my understanding, if you are an actor, and I myself have um, spent many years as an actor before I became a coach, if you're an actor, I think the understanding and the trust that the director is reaching out to you in the casting room or the casting situation is that if you get the role, you will commit to telling the story. Because as I said before, whose is the project? Whose is the vision? It's the directors and the writers. Mm -hmm. the, um, it's the, the creatives behind the project. And it, sometimes um, in this modern world, the, um, the, the spark of creation comes from all over the place. It might come from the actor. It might come from the director. It might come from the producer. Um, and, um, and other people come on um, to join the party. But the initiating spark of inspiration, that is the party that you are joining, that you're joining. That's, um, that is the, the journey that you're entering upon. And, um, and as the initiating spark, you're relying that the production designer, the actors, um, the, the person who's gonna do the music and the post-production are going to enter with uh, a giving and generous spirit to support your journey. Now, if you find that, um, that somebody does not have that spirit, do they belong in your project? I don't know whether they do. And, um, and I think what it is to be a leader is to show the team that you've got the emotional courage to cut the ties if you need to with the people who are not supporting your vision. Um, and also that you've got the emotional courage um, as I've seen many directors do, and I'm thinking of one particular woman director who I worked with recently who did an amazing job here of taking her female lead and saying, what is going on? What is going on? Because this is an untenable situation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is something I've worked on for X amount of years. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a huge level of, of, of beauty and craft. There are many, many people who are coming on board to, um, to make this, this beautiful, beautiful piece of work. And you are lagging behind with your passion and commitment. What is the problem? Please speak it out. Let's see if we can um, find a way through this so that we can advance into clear water. Does that make sense, Maza? Absolutely. It takes yeah. a lot of emotional courage, but for you to bring emotional courage to bear on your job as a leader, and anybody who works in the corporate field will recognize what I'm talking about as well. For you to bring that emotional courage, you have to look ahead and go, okay, well, what are the conceivable and possible outcomes to the action that I'm taking. The ultimate outcome is that you go, well, you, I don't think you belong in this project anymore. Yeah. And, um, and you uh, have to be prepared to be able to make, that, um, uh, to make that action if you're going to have the emotional courage to, to go on the journey of speaking it out. Thank you, Miranda. Appreciate it. Hi, Miranda. Hi, hi, how are you, darling? Good, good. Um, I've just got a question, which is probably quite timely considering we're all in the sort of lockdown right now. Um, and that's about the visualization and um, connection work. Are there kind of ways to um, keep this idea of active rehearsal going when we're all in isolation by ourselves? Yeah, well, you know, something I'm really practicing in, in, in my own practice, different, you know, um, uh, when I'm doing at the moment is I'm using, I'm strengthening my uh, imaginative muscles by going on journeys. And so I'll go, hmm, I've done a lot of traveling over the past couple of years. I'll, I'll go, right, I'm gonna go to the apartment that we had in New York, and I'm gonna walk out the front door of the apartment and I'm gonna go to Walmart. 
and um, I'm going to remember all the things that I saw on the way. So that, that relies on two things. That relies on me having truly lived in the moment when I was actually living in New York and walking to Walmart, which I did every day. Um, so I had to really um, make sure that I was laying down good tracks um, for my memory in that experience. And now when I sit and meditate and close my eyes and, go, I'm going to, and say to myself, I'm going to go on that journey, I have to have flow through the journey, not get caught up on monkey mind business, um, but I also have to have specificity. So, you know, you can choose any journey. You can go on the journey and then go home and remember the journey. Um, and even in lockdown now, you could, you know, if it was me, you could walk down to Lyle Bay, take the dog for a walk um, and walk along to the end of Lyle Bay Beach and, uh, and walk back and then allow yourself to once again go on that journey in your mind so that your discovery is, oh, there are huge bits that I didn't notice. Why didn't I notice those bits? It's because I wasn't actually present in the moment while I was going on my journey. So you're discovering something about the way in which you experience things even before you then go back and visualize them. So, um, so that's a little um, uh, exercise that you can do for yourself just to, to help train your mind to be in the moment and um, then be able to recall that moment in order to feed your work. Um, that's something that hopefully you can do. Is that is that an answer to your question? Is that um, Megan? Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, um, I think in part. I guess the uh, the other part of that would be, I guess, connection with others as well. When maybe this is kind of the only format we've got at the moment. Well, you know, the little thing that I showed you before, which is my kids going like this when they were um, when they when we were in lockdown together. It doesn't, this is the whole idea of the um, Samoan idea of the Va, is that you don't need to be in the same room with someone in order to be able to reach out and connect with them. You can, um, you can change the fact of, the, the, of universal matter using your mind um, by reaching out across the Va and your energy can flow from me to you, even in this two-dimensional form, if, um, if you and I open our hearts to, um, to that connection. A lot of people are experiencing a lot, experiencing a lot of, um, of loneliness. I've seen people on screen crying because they can't um, hug their grandmother, uh, because they can't reach out and, um, and, and touch their friends. That's the way of the world at the moment. So we have to find other ways, vocal ways, uh, emotional ways, um, connectivity ways to to reach across the screen and um, uh, and create the sense of there, there are body drugs that we get from personal connection and um, and we've got to find a way to get dopamine serotonin and oxytocin um, by talking to each other on the telephone um, and reaching out to each other across the screen and I'll tell you how I'm doing that right now while I'm talking to you I'm standing on my Shakti mat which is really painful but because I'm standing on my Shakti mat, I'm reminded that I'm in the three dimensions of space while I'm talking to you. I might um, talk to you on the phone, but make sure that I'm walking through water while I do it, or that I'm going for a walk out on the, um, the lawn um, and walking on grass whilst I'm talking to you on the phone, so that at least I'm getting some kind of organic input into my body whilst I'm connecting with you. Does that make sense, Megan? Yeah, yeah. So my challenge to you, if you're rehearsing a scene, if you're at drama school, you're rehearsing a scene um, for when we come out of lockdown, um, rehearse on the phone, which is always something I'm a big fan of doing anyway, rehearse on the phone, but make sure that your body is doing something organic 
at the same time. And walking on grass or standing on water or walking on gravel or standing in the wind, standing in the rain, probably don't do that, um, are really great ways for your body to be experiencing serotonin, dopamine and oxytocin at the same time as reaching out, um, not in physical space to connect with each other. Miranda, it's past one o'clock now. I just want to say thank you um, for this hour. You've managed to get through an enormous amount and we've got had so many people on the line and we're very, very grateful for everything. Thank you, Alex. And, um, and if there are any other questions, then fire them through to Alex and, um, and she might send them to me and I might um, um, write some answers and send them back to, um, to Equity. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you again, Miranda. Thank you. Thank you. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the Foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.